do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Daniel chapter 12. Also, if you don't, it's also on the, I was, since the passage is small enough, I was actually able to fit it on the back of your sermon outline. I haven't been able to do that with the previous ones unless I put make the print like about five-point font and then no one would be able to read it anyway. So this one, I think, is only ten-point font. So, um, But anyway, it's on the back of your outline as well if you want to follow along that way. Please give your attention again as God's holy word is read. Daniel chapter 12. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this riverbank and the other on that riverbank. And one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished." Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away, and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. But you, go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. Well, as I said, this is our last message in the book of Daniel. And while there have been some difficult portions of this book, I trust that on the whole, it has been a rewarding study. It's certainly been a rewarding study for me, and I hope that uh, as a whole that you have been able to get something out of this study as well. Because the book of Daniel shows us three essential messages that if you've got nothing else out of the book of Daniel except these three messages then you have the basic understanding of the book of Daniel. And that first message is that God is sovereign over history and he is sovereign over the affairs of kings and nations. Kings and nations, they rise at his command and they fall at his command. They rise at his good pleasure and they fall at his good pleasure. Secondly, God will judge the unbelieving nations and rulers. 
And even though they are under His providential control, they will be judged for their sin. And then third and finally, God will preserve and He will vindicate His people through these turbulent times. And though times may look very bleak, though times may look very dark, they are under, again, His sovereign control. And they will work out for the glory of God and for the good of His people. Now, no more are these three messages made most clear than in Daniel's final vision here in chapters 10 through 12. Again, remember, from chapter 10 to the end of the book is one unit, one vision. And we saw that Daniel is now, roughly speaking, about 84 years old, and he has lived most of his life in exile. He has lived most of his life away from his homeland, away from his people, away from his religion. And he has been preserved. And he has been delivered from evil people. He is a living testament to these three messages. That God is sovereign. That God will judge world leaders. And that God will preserve and protect and vindicate His people. Now again, this final vision gives Daniel sort of a glimpse into the future of redemptive history as he sees a very detailed preview of history from his time up to the time of the persecution of Antiochus IV and beyond. We saw that last week in chapter 11, this very detailed history. And we also mentioned that Antiochus, this evil, wicked king who will rise up in a couple of hundred years from Daniel's time, he is a sort of a preview of coming attractions. He is a, a type of Antichrist. And he is, one, he is sort of a, a, the first, sort of the one that everyone looks to when we see future Antichrist. We know this because Jesus, as we read in our uh, earlier passage in Gospel of Matthew, when He is talking about His own return, says when you see the abomination of desolation, when you see someone like this Antiochus figure rise up, then you know that the time of the end has come. So as we come to this final chapter in the book of Daniel, we're going to see the final part of Daniel's final vision. So what began as a glimpse into the heavenly conflict, as we saw in chapter 10, the spiritual warfare that sort of lies behind what we see happening in the world uh, that we're all engaged in, and then it moved into a detailed revelation of world history from Daniel's time going forward to the end of history we now see that it concludes in chapter 12 with a look at the end. Now, of course, as we read this and we saw the question asked twice in the passage, this passage begs the question of how long, O Lord? Which is why I titled the message, How Long, O Lord? This is the $64,000 question that we all want to know. However, we may ask that question, and that always seems to be the question that is on our lips whenever we see any kind of prophecy about the future. When will these things take place? How long will these things be? We shouldn't be surprised that when God answers the how long question in a manner that requires great wisdom, or in a manner that even raises more questions than it answers. Now my goal, I hope, in the end of this is that when we are done with this message, that we see this theme come out, which is that we are called to endure 
because God will vindicate us. That is the simple theme of this text this morning, that we are called to endure because God will vindicate us. So as we begin here, we see the time of the end in verses 1-4. through The final chapter of Daniel begins with a few words talking about at that time. That's how chapter or verse 1 begins. At that time. What time? Well, the time of the end. Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. The at that time connects us with what we saw last week in verses 40-45 through 45 in chapter 11, which says, at the time of the end. And last week we argued that that last section of chapter 11, essentially verses 36-45, to 45, seemed to be speaking of a world ruler that is a lot like Antiochus IV, but also greater and more wicked than Antiochus IV. This sort of end times Antiochus-like figure is a future Antichrist figure spoken of in Jesus' Olivet Discourse. When you see the abomination of desolation, flee, right? That's what Jesus says. It's also the same figure that Paul will talk about in his second letter to the church in Thessalonica when he talks about a son of perdition or a man of lawlessness. This man will be like Antiochus, but far worse. He is the culmination. He is sort of like the fulfillment of what it means to be anti-Christ. So at that time, as we see here in verse 1, at that time, at the time of the greatest need for God's people, we see Michael, the great prince, shall arise. Now we saw Michael in chapter 10. Michael is an archangel. He is one of the chief angels. He is the chief prince. And he apparently has the task of watching over and defending God's people. In fact, if you remember again from a couple of weeks ago, there is a spiritual warfare going on. And this, there is an angel sent to give a message to Daniel and he was sort of hindered for three weeks. And he had to call upon Michael who came and uh, freed him up. There is a spiritual warfare being waged that has effects in the real world around us. And at the end, Michael shall stand up because it will be at a time of trouble. A great time of trouble. Not just a normal time of trouble, but a time of great trouble. That's when Michael, the prince of his people, will arise. And then what this angel tells Daniel is precisely what Jesus tells His disciples in Matthew 24-21. For then, for then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. That's what Jesus tells His disciples in Matthew 24. Now this great time of tribulation was prefigured, was sort of previewed, as I said, during the tribulation of Antiochus IV. It is also previewed at the time of the destruction of Jerusalem in the year 70 A.D. These are all previews of this time of great tribulation, of what it will be like prior to the return of Christ. Now that sounds bad, right? 
Time of great tribulation. So great that it has not been seen ever since there was a world. Seems like bad news, right? But then that's what makes the good news so good. When you hear the bad news, the good news sounds wonderful, as we see later on here. The good news. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. So just when things look darkest, just when they seem the bleakest, for the people of God, they will be delivered. And that is indeed good news. Just as we read again in Matthew 24 and verses 29 through 31. After the days of those tribulation, that's when the Son of Man will appear. That's when he will gather his elect from the four winds of the earth. That's when the time of the end will come. Now, as we'll see in a moment, it's not as if the time we're living in now is sort of tribulation free. It's not like there will be great tribulation at the end, but now it's just all sort of sunshine and roses. No. Because an argument can be made that the church has always faced tribulation. It has always faced persecution. And while it intensifies nearer to the end, it doesn't mean that there's no tribulation going on now for God's people. And while there is always tribulation in the world, God is always in the business of deliverance. He will deliver His people from tribulation. He will not deliver them from martyrdom. We see that throughout the history of the church. There have always been martyrs of the church. But He will deliver them from destruction by Satan and his demons. And those who will be delivered will be God's chosen, His elect. Those who names whose names, as we see here, are in the book. In the book of life. In the book of the Lamb that was written before the foundation of the world. And then in verses 2-3, through we get one of the clearest Old Testament passages that speaks to the fact of a future resurrection. As we see in verses 2-3. and At that time, when Michael stands up, the great prince, they will be delivered. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So again, just as Jesus foretells of of His own return, He talks about how at the time of the end, all the dead will be be raised and then Jesus will separate them. He will separate the sheep from the goats. Those on His right hand, the sheep, will go on to live in His kingdom. Those on His left hand, the goats, will go on to live in everlasting contempt. Daniel was talking about a very similar thing that Jesus spoke of in the New Testament. And again, the words of verse 3 seem to kind of bring to mind the idea of the heavenly Jerusalem that we will see later on, Lord willing, in our study through Revelation. When the heavenly Jerusalem comes down, it will be a glorious uh, city that comes down. The church will come down. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky and like the stars forever and ever. This will be the glorified church in all of her beauty. But then at the end of this passage here in verse 4, Daniel gets this odd message to seal up the vision, to seal the book in verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. 
Now, there are two ways to kind of understand this command to shut up the book, to shut up the words and seal the book. First, we are told earlier that the vision was for many days from now. This is a vision for the time of the end. And at Daniel's time, it's not the end yet. In fact, the end is many days from now. So this vision needs to be sealed up until that time. Sort of like, you know, you get the in case of emergency, break glass. That is for the time of the end. Do not break the glass on this vision until the time of the end. But secondly, the idea of sealing brings the idea of preserving or uh, protecting the vision for future generations. And I think both are are, are applicable here. They're both true. So this, this vision is to be sealed up because the time is not now. The time is for some time in the, in the future from Daniel's perspective. And then it seems like the angel here borrows the words of Amos chapter 8, verse 12, when he says that many will search to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they will be unsuccessful. So now in verses 5-7, through seven, the vision is complete. Uh, we see that at the end, when... When times get really rough, Michael will come. He will deliver his people. He will watch over his people. The time of the end will be here. And those who, you know, then there will be this great resurrection and this great separation between the righteous and the wicked. And then Daniel's told to seal this up. And now we see as Daniel collects himself, he looks around in verses 5 and 6 and he sees a couple of visitors here. It says, Then I, Daniel, looked and there stood two others. One on this river bank and then the other on that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen, that's the angel who's been delivering all this message to Daniel, a cherubim, a great angel. So he said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters, how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? So these two other angelic beings pop up and they're standing on opposite sides of the Tigris River where Daniel was. And one of them turns to the main angel and says, how long until this vision is fulfilled? How long when these things will be? Now I always find it interesting that when, things, when what, times are going well, when things are going well for us, we never ask the how long question, right? When, when it's all party and everything's fun, it's like we don't, we don't want that time to end, so we don't ask how long. We don't check our watches when things are going well. It's always when things are going bad, that's when we look and ask, how long? When things are falling apart all around us, when things are bad right now, and there's no light at the end of the tunnel, that's when we want to know how long. How long will this emotional pain that I'm suffering through last? How long must I endure this dreadful, painful situation? How long until I stop crying? How long until I stop hurting? How long until I stop screaming? How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? Because this world, brothers and sisters, beloved, is broken. This world is broken. We are all broken. And it's natural to wonder, when will things get fixed? When will God fix it? When Daniel receives the vision of the ram and the goat in chapter 8, he overheard two angels speaking to each other, again asking this question, how 
long? How long until these things take place? When Jesus was about ready to enter Jerusalem and His disciples are talking about the glorious, um, majestic structure of the temple and Jesus says, these, this temple will be destroyed. The disciples are like, when will this take place? How long? When will this happen? And when will be the time of your return? Another thing I find interesting that, you know, just as we never ask the how long question if things are going well, I also find it interesting when we ask the how long question, the answer that God often gives us is one that leaves more questions that we want to ask, right? Because when God answers the how long question here to Daniel, it seems to raise more, raise more questions than it answers. Because look at verse 7. After the angel asked the man in linen how long, then Daniel says, I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. So there, there you go. That's how long. Does that answer your question? Time, times, and half a time. That doesn't answer my question. And I'm sure it didn't answer Daniel's question. Because the answer he gives, it'll be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been broken and completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Not only does it not answer Daniel's question, it raises more questions. But also we see this idea, the mention of the power of the holy people being shattered. Doesn't sound good, right? I mean, we don't want the good guys to lose. And that's what it sounds like. It sounds like the good guys are going to lose here. This is also something we saw in Daniel 8. But also we see it in Matthew 24 and in Revelation 11 through 13. The people of God, the church, will be preserved and protected for a time, but then the Antichrist will overcome them. Particularly in Revelation 11, we see uh, that where the, 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 the two witnesses are given uh, the power to, to witness and to prophesy for 42 months. And it says at the end of that time, the, the beast that rises up out of the sea will overpower them. It's then, it is at that point when the end comes, when the fulfillment comes. That is the time when Michael stands up. That is the time when God's people will be delivered. That is the time when Christ will return in glory. At the end, when it seems like all hope is lost after a brief period of time, then when the people of God are overcome, that is when Christ comes in His glory. Now as I said, the answer that God gives to the how long question often raises more questions. As we see in verse 8, Daniel asks again, well, actually, Daniel now asks. He speaks for the first time here. Although I heard, so I heard the answer that the angel gave, but I didn't understand it. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? So Daniel, here's the, the question that the angel asks. Here the answer that the angel is given. And then Daniel says, I don't understand this. Can I get some clarification, please? Can, I, can, you, can you say the answer one more time, please? 
Now again, as we saw in verse 7, that answer, uh, if you've been with us through our study in Revelation, time, times, and half a time is, not, is, is a pretty familiar thing. In fact, we see it earlier in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, and in the vision of the four beasts. That's Daniel's first vision. He gets this vision of these four beastly figures that rise up out of the ocean. And he's told that these beasts are kingdoms that will come. And he's told that there will be a king from that fourth beast. There will be a king from that kingdom who will persecute the saints of the Most High and they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. It's also uh, the mysterious time frame that we see in the book of Revelation in chapter 12. Uh, After the dragon, Satan has been cast down to the earth. He seeks to persecute the woman who is representative of the people of God, but she is given refuge by God for time, times, and half a time. Now in Daniel 4, when Nebuchadnezzar has the dream of the, you know, that he will be uh, humbled, this dream of a tree that is chopped down, Daniel interprets the dream and he tells Nebuchadnezzar that his punishment for his arrogance will last for seven times. So this idea of seven times is like a full period of judgment. Seven times is believed to be seven years. So it's a full period of judgment. And if that is the case, then time, times, and half a time is half of that. Time is one, times is two more, and then half a times is three and a half. So half of a period of full judgment. And this three and a half year period also matches the various References that we see in the book of Revelation to 42 months or 1,260 days, all of which are three and a half years. That is a shortened period of trial and testing. And if you remember what we read earlier in Matthew 24, Jesus says to his disciples, unless those days were what? Shortened. Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. A shortened period of trial and testing. Now Daniel, of course, does not have the privilege of speaking from our vantage point. Daniel is hundreds of years before the time of Jesus. We are hundreds of years after the time of Jesus, after the completion of the New Testament. So we have a sort of a greater vantage point with which to see these things. And even then, with this greater vantage point, it's still not 100% clear how to properly interpret these divine time frames. Therefore, whereas many Christians, myself included, want to know how long, God says you need to endure faithfully. Leave the how long to me. You need to endure faithfully. Look at verses 9 through 13. So Daniel asks, When shall be the end of these things? And what does the angel tell him? Go your way, Daniel. <laughs> Go your way, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, 
there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the end of 1,335 days. But you, Daniel, go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of days. So again, Daniel wants to know how long. He wants to know when will this be fulfilled. And twice, the man in linen tells Daniel to go your way. He also tells Daniel again that the words are closed up. They have been sealed till the time of the end. Stop trying to peer into the secret things of God. God gives these little time frames and they raise more questions than they answer. And God then says to, to us and through to Daniel, go your way. Endure faithfully. Let me worry about the time frame. Because this period of time, whatever, however long it, it means, this period of time will be one in which it will become known who are the righteous and who are the wicked. It will be a time for the righteous of purification. A time of refinement for God's people. Whereas we'll see the wicked will continue to grow in their wickedness. And then it's interesting because then the man of linen gives Daniel two more periods of time in verses 11 and 12. He says, from the time that the regular burnt offerings are taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Now we know from our study through Daniel chapter 9 that Antiochus is sort of, again, this, this preview of this abomination that makes desolate. Because he, he defiles the temple of God by offering a pig sacrifice to a pagan god. But if you remember from Daniel 9.27, we see that the Messiah will establish a covenant with many, and then in the middle of that 70th week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. In other words, when Jesus was resurrected and ascends to heaven, that was when the time when there's no need for a sacrifice anymore. And from that time until the end will be this mysterious 1,290 days. And then the angel gives a benediction and pronounces uh, on the one who faithfully endures until 1,335 days. What do these numbers mean? Well, I'd love to tell you what they mean. <laughs> I'd love to give you the definitive answer as to what they mean. But I can't give you the answer. Because if 1,260 days, as we see in Revelation by Jewish reckoning, is three and a half years, then 1,290 days is an additional 30 days, and then 1,335 is in another 45 days after that. I don't know what it means. Here's what I can tell you. God knows what these numbers mean, right? Because God is giving them to, to Daniel through the angel. God knows what these numbers mean. God's timetable is figured out to the very last day. They are all under his sovereign and providential control. So what are we to do then? Well, we are to wait. We are to patiently endure through this period of purification and through this period of refinement. And as the man in linen says, then, after you have endured to the end, then you shall rest. And then you shall arise to your inheritance at the end of days.
That's the end of the book of Daniel. And while that's a nice promise that Daniel here receives at the end of his life, we know things are going to get worse for the people of God. They're going to get much worse. They're going to get much worse for the people of God. But again, the good news is that because God is in sovereign control over history, we can rest assured knowing several things. First, God has this period of tribulation calculated down to the exact day. Whatever 1,290 days means, whatever 1,335 days means, it means that God knows exactly how long this period of tribulation will be. If you think about it, that's good news, right? Because God knows how long we're going to go through this. We don't need to worry about this. Secondly, this period of tribulation has a God-ordained purpose, which is for our purification and for our refinement. So however long this period is, we know God is in control and is for our good. Right? What does James say about trials? James says, count it joy when you face trials. Why? Because the trial is so wonderful to endure? No. Because of what the result of the trial is. The trial is for our perfection. The trial is for our maturity. As we see here in Daniel, the trial is for our refinement, for our purification. Third, this period of time will also reveal who the wicked and unrighteous are. They will grow in their own wickedness. They will think because God is not bringing judgment that God is not there or He doesn't care about their sins. So they will go on and grow in their wickedness, but they will not escape God's judgment. As we saw earlier in the passage, many of those who will rise will go and be delivered until everlasting life and the others to everlasting contempt. And then finally, fourth, this period of time will end has an end. 1,290 days, 1,335 days, it will end. And when it does end, we will find rest. We will find rest. Eternal Sabbath rest. And we will arise to our inheritance. Now you might ask, why does it have to be this way? Right? Why does it have to be this way for the Christian? Why does the Christian have to endure through trials, go through tribulation? We're God's people. Why don't we just go on immediately into glory the moment we are justified by grace through faith? In short, it's because it's the road that Christ Himself traveled. Right? The Bible describes and depicts Jesus as the new Israel. Just as Israel went through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, being tried and tempted, Jesus Christ Himself endured 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. Just as Israel had to fight and do battle with the Canaanites before finding rest in the Promised Land, so too did Jesus have to battle sin and death on the cross before entering into His eternal rest. As the author of Hebrews says, Jesus is our example. He is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. The one who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. He despised the shame. And He is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, just like we are to count trials as joy, Jesus saw the cross as a joy. 
Not because of the cross itself, but because of what He saw on the other side of it. Sitting at the right hand of God. Perfecting those who will be in Him. Purifying His bride, the church. Redeeming His bride, the church. So just as Jesus has now entered His eternal Sabbath rest, we too will find eternal Sabbath rest in Christ as we faithfully endure through the trials and the tribulations of this life, knowing that God has those days numbered for His glory 